What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Keep It Posy podcast. My name is Jasmine, and this is episode 88. This is a special episode as last Friday marked two years since the podcast launched. A lot has happened in the last two years with this podcast and with Keep It Posy in general. I just want to thank you for being here. Whether this is your first time listening or you've listened before, thank you. If you've been here since the beginning, thank you for sticking around. If you've been a guest on the podcast, thank you. And honestly, just thank you all around for the support. And I hope you've gotten something good out of each episode. Times are hard and it's not always easy. So be nice to yourself. With all this said, let's turn things over to this week's nonprofit organization featured in the Posse Spotlight. Founded in 1978, the Downtown Women's Center envisions a Los Angeles with every woman housed and on a path to personal stability. Its mission is to end homelessness for women in greater Los Angeles through housing, wellness, employment, and advocacy. After its launch, the Downtown Women's Center was the first permanent supportive housing provider for women in the U.S., critical time intervention provider in the Western U.S., health clinic exclusively serving women in the Skid Row community, and drop-in day center exclusively serving homeless women in the city of Los Angeles. To learn more or make a donation to the Downtown Women's Center, you can visit downtownwomenscenter.org. This week's episode features art, lead singer and guitarist of Audio Karate, a punk rock band out of Rosemead, California. Additionally, Art also plays guitar and sings in Indian school, and he also plays guitar in Sweet and Tender Hooligans, a Smiths and Morrissey tribute band. In this episode, Art and I talk about the band's latest release, titled Malo, how the vinyl pressing for Space Camp led to a reunion, working with Bill Stevenson, the band's first tour ever, and so much more. It was an honor to be able to learn more about the history of audio karate, and if you're a fan of the band, I hope you learned something from this conversation as I did. Here's my conversation with Art on the Keep It Posy podcast. So I'm going to be a fan for a minute. And say that, and I know this is not going to be the first time we've heard this, but I heard of you guys because of the Warp Tour comp from 2003. And that was like my intro. A lot of the bands on that I listened to for the first time, and I still listen to a lot of them. Yeah. But I didn't know what like you guys looked like until I saw the video for... um. Jesus is alive and well, mm-hmm. and I saw it on KJLA. I oh, really? Do you remember that channel? KJLA. No, I. I'm sure I. Was it like um like a KCET or a PBS kind of channel or that's what it sounds like? What's K? What was KJLA? It was like I don't remember what the programming was like during the day, but I remember like at night, like during the week, they would have specialty programming, and mm. some of it was like music related but it wasn't like mtv stuff it was more catered to like um 
like indie rock or like oh Latino, wow uh folks kj Elliott. i'm sure if i like if you like took me back to that time be like oh yeah, yeah, yeah i totally remember but right now it's like escaping me yeah dude it's weird because that's also how i learned about go betty go oh nice today well by the time this goes out you guys would have already released um your upcoming album which is otra mm -hmm. so there are a number of people that took part on that release right because it was you know agent m and then you had a few other people that produced some of the mm -hmm. songs on there how did that all come about well so so otra is basically just a collection of of different recordings during different years when audio karate was around so it's basically little pieces of of the three records that we did so so it's essentially the unreleased material from our first record space camp the unreleased material from our second re record lady melody and then the unreleased material from the last record we just put out malo so it's essentially like a rarities b-sides um so when we say that you know trevor keith and and these names it sounds cool but in theory it's like actually just different parts in our history um so it wasn't recorded in present day it was it's basically just a collection of all that music from all that time so we'll be like as fans we'll be able to tell i guess as far as sound and i think so that? Okay. yeah which is kind of fun like I, I yeah but you'll definitely be able to because they're so different like between space camp being and the cool thing about what what the cool thing about the space camp stuff is long story short but we ended up remixing that record because we were cocky little jerks and didn't like the mix um and we had the backing of our label like nope we don't like the mix either and we ended up remixing and quote unquote like the mix better but in retrospect the producer and the mixer were right the first time in the mix so it's, it's yeah it's a little more natural sounding it's like uh, it's not analog but it's it's done it was done before pro tools so it's not pro tools it's like a digital board um in some old la punk rock studio um it sounds pretty good. It's it, like, yeah, like it'll be, so that's, this is the first time that anyone's hearing that original mix, which is kind of neat. Dude, that is so cool. Yeah. Um, when did you guys decide to, to put this album out? I think we had talked about doing this. So we played our, our last show was at the end of 2019. And I think we knew going into 2020, cause with Jason moving to Oregon, that we were going to kind of take a break. Like we weren't going to break up or go on a hiatus, but we were just kinda like, all right, like that's cool. We, we kind of supported a record. We did some festivals. Let's kind of take a, a break, you know, let Jason kind of move. And I think we had talked about, why don't we work on, yeah, kind of the next studio release, what we want to do. And I think Jason and all of us really being fans of bands where you sort of get their whole, all their songs like a band like the smiths for example like there's like every like b-side and live recording and bbc thing is available to purchase or listen to and i think that was like what we were aspiring to be is like let's be like one of those bands that just has everything we've ever done available to listen to on on a recording somewhere 
So I think that was the point is like, we still have a bunch of material that no one's ever really heard. Let's just put it all together or figure out a way that works. And that, so that was the first kind of thing. And then COVID obviously put a halt to everything. But in theory, we were kind of getting ready to kind of take a break and start looking at, at kind of that, that next step for the, for the band. Oh, dude, that's cool. Um, so I know that you guys have known each other since you guys were practically kids. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'll start there um, because my understanding, and I'm not sure if I have this right. That's right. You know, Gabe and Jason, you know, they're family, they're cousins. Yep. And then how did you meet them? Like, how did you meet your band? Yeah. So I went to junior high with Gabe, the drummer, and Husto, the bass player. We all went to Muscatel Junior High in uh, Rosemead, California. So I met them there in seventh grade. And at some point in there and during seventh grade, I can't remember when I found out that they were a band or that they like jammed or whatever. Uh, a friend of mine kind of knew them. And then at some point, my friend, who's a pretty good guitarist, started jamming with them. And then they kind of formed a band. And another one of my friends was in the band. So I'm like the only person that's like not in the band that feels left out. Mind you, I didn't play guitar yet. And then they called me on the phone. And they're like, hey, check, check us out. Like, we're going about to like play a song. I'm like, okay. So I'm like on the phone. And they played a song. And I was so annoyed at how good it was. Cause I didn't, I never really like it hurt anybody my age. I'm like, well, they can actually like play. It's not like it sounds like rinky dinky. Like to me, it was like the greatest thing I'd ever heard. And at that point I had like said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to be in that band someday. And I think I started playing guitar maybe a couple months later. So they essentially inspired me to like pick up a guitar and start playing. I was already starting to get into like grunge and like punk rock. So it was kind of, it made sense. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was the first time I was like, okay, I'm going to learn to play guitar and I'm going to be in their band somehow. Oh, wow, dude. That's crazy. So you, you were like in the seventh grade and you start playing music? Yeah, I picked up the guitar in seventh grade. Did you learn any other instruments? Learn is a... <laughs> I mean, like, like a lot of musicians, you just kind of are around enough musical instruments. You like pick up stuff like... The best way I can explain it is like, I've n I, I, I wouldn't call myself a piano player by any stretch. Like we have a piano player and he's fantastic, but I like scored a film using piano. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's, I can't play piano, but I can like will myself to like get something out of it. If I like just put my, my brain into it. So yeah, like I can kind of do the same with like bass and some degree with drums, not as good with drums because my feet don't work as well. So, yeah, I can kind of tinker with enough instruments and figure it out eventually. Oh, sick, dude. Wow, that's crazy. You were getting into punk rock and grunge, and, like, mm -hmm. these guys were, like, kind of the reason why you picked up the guitar, I guess, because you heard them play. Mm -hmm. um, but what would you say was, like, your intro to music? What was that moment where you said, hey, I like music? Wow. I, I feel like I liked it almost immediately like i can my earliest my earliest memories are tied to music and what song was on the radio while like the memory was happening so i think 
I was immediately just like drawn to music. I just didn't know that that's what it was or that's what I was going to end up doing. I just knew that there was something about music that, that pulled to me. And I think at some point, like maybe around like third, I want to say, or fourth grade, at some point I saw something or some band get interviewed. And then I remember thinking like, oh, that's what I want to do. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to do that. And then it was sort of like shelved for a couple of years until I realized or figured out a way to actually make it happen. You know what I mean? Dude, that's awesome. Okay. So what would you say has been your favorite audio karate release? Good question. I mean, I think I, I have to go with the second record, Lady Melody, just because of getting to work with Bill Stevenson of Descendants, which was like a pretty big deal for us being like huge Descendants fans. Like that was a band that we all, we all would argue when we were kids about what bands we loved and like didn't like. And I kind of was more, I was into like, like kind of Black Flag and Buzzcocks. They were kind of getting, trying to get me into like the sort of third generation of punk rock, which was coming in, which was kind of the fat records, like lookout record stuff. And I was still kind of more like into the older stuff. But that was one band that we all kind of agreed on. Like, okay, we all love this band. Like, that is a band that we can all agree that is we absolutely adore. Um, so getting to work with Bill Stevenson was a pretty big deal for us. Um, and just the result of the record, like, I'm, I'm just, it's something that I'll look back on and probably like, hey, this was, yeah, this was cool. Like, I can still remember how hard it was to do and how hard it, he was on me for the vocals. But the result was good. Like he worked our our butts off, and it it shows in the record. Well, how did you guys link up with them so that he could make Do that record? record with you guys? Um, you know, luckily by then we were signed to Kung Fu. So I think when we were when we were um, when we were starting to put demos together, we were starting, I think, to send it out like. Joe from the label was, I think, just reaching out to producers. And we had a couple of producers that were interested. And yeah, Bill was one of the ones that we sent songs out to. And yeah, he basically said yes. He admits in, in retrospect, or going, looking back, that um, at first he kind of like said, okay, yeah, they're, they're cool enough. Like, all right, I'll, I think I can work with this band. But then once he started asking for new music, we started to work with him directly. And then those ended up being like the main kind of flagship songs of the record. We wrote those right before we went to the studio and then he got more into it. Like, Oh wait, this is actually pretty good. Like, all right, now I'm actually excited to work with this man. Dude, that's awesome. So he did it for the money. Basically he admits, <laughs> <laughs> but then when you guys were in there, yeah, yeah. Dude, he still took is... the money though. <laughs> oh dude, that's cool though. Um, and I mean, you guys are still keep in touch with them, right? Because you guys oh, have yeah. played with shows with them, obviously. Um, yeah. All these years later. Yeah, we've all become like friends over the years. And like, yeah, luckily they they are cool enough to like ask us to play when they've come out and we've gotten to tour them. So it's that's been phenomenal. Dude, that's awesome. Um, well, speaking about playing shows and stuff, when was the first time you guys went on tour? <laughs> the deck is not, not a very good tour. Uh, I won't name <laughs> I won't name the name of the tour, but yeah, I think our record had 
we did like a little two or three show kind of weekend warrior stuff, you know, Tucson, Southwest, maybe the Bay. I want to say New Mexico, but not an official on the road in a van tour. The first one we ever did was in retrospect, pretty cool. It was all like Chicano, like artists. Um, but that was not really so much a thing back then of like rock bands that were Chicano. So I think, it kind of fell on deaf ears because nobody really came to the shows and we played in like markets where it maybe hopefully should have worked. But I think we were just too new of a band. We still actually managed to bring people out, but the tour was for more like lack of better terms, a bust. And we had never really gone on a full on tour. So we were kind of unprepared and we were also pretty thrifty because we didn't have a choice. We were like broke. So I think I lost like five pounds in like the first two weeks. Cause we were going on like, a dollar or two dollar a day like food diet like i was eating a cup of chili at like wendy's and like that was and like beer like beer was like calories when they gave it to us for free at the venue um so that was pretty rough that was like our very first tour but um there was i mean there's some highlights and it, but overall it was pretty gnarly dude that's crazy yeah um, it was nuts it it wasn't the full U.S. tour though. No, I want to oh. say it was just. I think it was just the Southwest, and I think that was it. Yeah, I think it was like it just went as far as like maybe Texas, and then came back around. But we hit like Idaho too, and uh, yeah, like New Mexico. Yeah, I will say one of the craziest, weirdest things that ever happened. I rem I just remember the story. Sorry, but we were in New Mexico. I think it was Albuquerque, and we're going. We had just enough money to scrape together to like buy beer. And mind you, I'm just, you know, just dressed like a regular 20, 21 year old kid. But I walk in, I get beer and this like big, like Mexican, like rockero dude comes up to me and he goes, Hey fool, you're a singer, aren't you? And I was like, what? <laughs> mind you, like he had no reference point. Like he just picked it and was a hundred. I'm like, how the heck did you? I was like in amaze. I'm like, how the heck did you know that? And he just kind of gave me like a look like, yeah, that's what I do. And he walked away. I never saw him again. It was the most amazing. I, to this day, still remember that dude. But he called it. Like, I, he just knew that I was, I don't know how he knew. I, there was nothing that a giveaway, you know, just t-shirt and jeans. And he nailed the fact that I was a singer. Blown away. To this day. I hope wherever you are, sir, you're well. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like he knew. Yeah, he knew. He's like, I, I, I've seen you around here before, like as another person, so I know. Yeah. Dude, that's yeah. awesome. When was the first time you guys played outside the U.S.? The first time we played outside the U.S., we went to the U.K., we went to England uh, with the Vandals and Tsunami Bomb. Uh, yeah, that was would have been what? oh two or oh three um the cool thing is at that time our one of our videos from space camp was on like mtv2 this was that yeah, like it was not mtv the main mtv1 but mtv2 so by the time we got there we actually had like a little bit of a buzz um so yeah we already had like fans and we were like drawing like crowds uh going to the shows and like doing record signings and stuff it was crazy Dude, that's so sick. Well, this is kind of like a, a question of like, you know, out there kind of thing. Because you guys, you know, started your band um, 
like during high school, I guess, mm-hmm. auto karate. You guys did your thing. You guys toured. Um, you went on hiatus with like mid 2000s, I want to say, right? Yeah, 06, 07. Yeah. And then, well, if you don't mind telling that part of the story for anybody who may not know of you guys till now, mm-hmm. um, because you guys put out the two albums and then yeah. you guys called it a day. Yeah. Years later, you guys come back. Mm-hmm. And you guys came back because of the space camp vinyl pressing it's because of rob pretty much yeah rob rob was a big catalyst (laughs) (laughs) um i think uh, i mean yeah there's there's a lot obviously that happened in those years um i'll give you the condensed version then so yeah we we're working on a third record in about 06 at our at that time it was our own home studio by then we were pretty burned out and I think we kind of saw the writing on the wall that the band probably wasn't going to continue short of us really willing to like just suck it up and continue to like grind it out and not make money and not kind of be like adults. Cause by then you're starting to feel it, you know, we've got girlfriends or whatever. And like, it's like, Hey, where is this going? Kind of thing. Not like the girlfriends, like, but you start to ask yourself that question and like, Hey, this, there's an alternative life here and it's pretty valid. And I think Jason was in retrospect, probably smart enough to realize that the alternative to hit life was a much better course. And that was to get a career and to just buy a house and be a normal guy. So that was pretty much it. Like the, the record got shelved. We break up. I basically kind of swore off of music. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm really not going to do this anymore. Like I almost was like scarred by it in a weird way. Like it didn't work out. This is lame. So fast forward, like three years, I got in a car accident two car accidents within like eight months. I was in pretty bad shape. Back was all messed up. I was in a relationship that I didn't want to be in. I was in a job I didn't want to be in. Sort of like snapped me into it and it made me realize that I miss playing music. So by the still like we're all, you know, me especially Husto and Jason or Husto and Gabe were all still talking and pretty active as friends. So I'm like, hey, let's just put another project together. I kind of miss music. And they're like, yeah, we've been waiting three years for you to say that idiot. So we kind of knew it wasn't going to be audio karate, but it was going to be the nucleus of audio karate that ended up being Indian school. Um, We did work with Rob, right? I mean, we'd like, Rob was just starting to label and we would like play a couple of shows under sort of the wiretap kind of family. Um, I believe we were on a comp through Indian school. Um, Anyway, so fast forward to 2016, Indian school gets to play Riot Fest, which we're totally like excited like to do. First time we're going to do it, but our bass player, I got a new job, wasn't sure if he was going to be able to make the show. So the first person we thought of to fill in for him was Jason, who hadn't really seen, I hadn't seen in a couple of years. Um, so he came, he agreed. Um, who still ended up getting, ended up working it out and was able to play Riot Fest. But it was the first time that all of us were in the room together jamming again, which we hadn't done at that point in, what, 10 years. So it was a little awkward. It was a little bit of like, okay, but... Within a couple hours, it was pretty obvious that nothing had really changed between us. The dynamics were the same. We're just like, oh, okay, we're just giving each other a hard time. And, you know, and we kind of knew. And so that was, I think, the initial like, okay, we've all been in a room together and we didn't strangle each other and it wasn't too awkward. I think we can hang out. That's fine. So when Rob kind of came along and did offer to release Space Camp on vinyl, when he asked, hey, would you guys be cool about playing shows? 
I sort of already knew, like, yeah, I think we can do that. I know we can be in a room together. So, yeah, I think that's something we can pull off. And that was it. Yay. And the reason, <laughs> yeah. the reason I say yay, well, first of all, I'm sorry that about your accidents. I'm um, fine. I think the misery, we've all been there at some point. So, um, yeah, but I'm glad it worked out. And because I finally got to see you guys play at the hi-hat for that release. That was, oh, show. Dude. That was fun. I, I, um, which is weird too, because I saw you guys then for the first time. I didn't get it. When you guys were like kind of already calling it a day, I, I was like a junior in high school. So, okay. But yay, Rob. Good job. Rob. Karate, good job. Yep. Um, now that I know that story, because I did hear Jason talk about it on my Carreras podcast, like, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to tell when you guys were playing those shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's just, you know, there's something about certain people getting together and making sounds, you know what I mean? It, there's just, it's not the same if Jason's not in it. It's not the same if our bass player. It's just, yeah, there's something about us four when we just kind of, you know, for better or for worse, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not to say that it's this like super amazing thing. It's just, it's a thing. And, and that's, that's what it is. You know what I mean? So if given the chance, would you go back and do anything different? That's a good question. I mean, sure. There'd be things that we do different musically. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, no, I, I so, yeah, well, I guess ultimately, like, sure, there are things that I would regret and probably do different, but they're, they're kind of silly stuff. Like, in the end, the best decision I made for myself and for my life was going back to music, which I almost didn't do. Like, I was pretty content and convinced myself that it wasn't something I wanted to go back to. Um, so the decision to go back, which ultimately kind of didn't, like, it ended up being it got pretty bad for me like i ended up going like broke living off of credit cards like i was living in my buddies like on his floor i was like approaching 30 like it was getting sketchy um so but it ended up working out like it yeah me going back into sort of the industry or whatever you want to call it ended up leading into you know indian school and that made some you know some headway and made connections that transitioned into audio karate um if I don't go back into music, I don't know that I'm in the sweet and tender hooligans. You know what I mean? So it just, everything, that sole decision, regardless of how I would have ended up doing things differently, yeah, I'll never look back on and regret, you know? Because yeah, I almost didn't do it. Yeah, dude. And, and sweet and tender hooligans, like, my God, hands down too, dude. Like, seriously, um, I'm like, these sound so awesome. By the way, that show you guys played at House of Blues in early 2020 was mm -hmm. also like one of the last shows I went to. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were doing the, the photography there, right? Yeah, dude. And right. I, I saw you. I'm like, hey, what's up? It was just like, <laughs> <You're front> dude, row. <laughs> it was fun. Like, it was a lot of fun, dude. Um, that, was, that was right before COVID. That was my last show before COVID. That was yeah. it. Yeah, I think dude. you posted something. I think I saw you post something like this was the last show I went to before COVID. Right? Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like one of the last shows because I think after that, maybe I shot like two more shows, three mm -hmm. more shows. 
And then you guys also did like a like a drive-through show too, right? Mm-hmm. Like last year or like I don't know. I saw yeah. something about it. Yeah. yeah, we did it at like a fairgrounds. Yeah, it was like one of those drive-through shows. And it was weird. It was not like I'll take it, but man, it was not the same. Yeah, dude. Um the fans uh I I w- I could tell that like you know, they appreciate like you guys because it's like i mean as much as people want smith's reunion like you know <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but um but yeah dude that was sick so you guys started off playing in the mid 90s auto karate you guys mm-hmm. formed and then you guys signed on to a label mm-hmm. you guys did your thing the industry is like so different now than it was like 20 years ago. I mean, even 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, what is one thing you wish the industry still had now that you guys were doing, but is no longer around? I don't know. I, well, you know, I think I'm totally into to tech and the way that works. And, and this is something that never would have been a thing, but I admit like, I, I do back then, like the, the interview person to person interview, they all pretty much took place in person. They were starting to take place by email, but a lot of stuff, like if somebody wanted to interview you for a fanzine, which that was like the podcast back then, right. Or like the starting to be like the music blog, they came to your show. Like they just came to your show and kind of cornered you somewhere like, Hey, can, can we get 20 minutes? It's like, sure. And you would just talk to someone for 20 minutes. And those, to me, were always much more engaging interviews. And that can still be a thing. It just doesn't have to be a thing anymore because you can just podcast it up and you're talking. And this is great. And I'm totally glad because if it wasn't for this, I don't think we're able to reach as many people and we make new fans because of this. But there was something to be said about, like, you had to, like, you had to go to a show. And I think more people went to shows. Like, there was more, yeah, it was, like, it was, like, more important. It's, like, when we were kids, or at least when I was a kid, you only had like four channels on the TV. It was like only two, four, seven, nine, and 11. So whatever shows are on there, like you better like them. Cause if you don't like them, there's nothing else for you. But now there's so many options and yet everyone seems bored. It gets kind of that, like it was like less was more. And that I miss that in general as just in life. But in terms of music, that, that was kind of a thing too. Yeah, dude, I feel you on that channel thing. <laughs> um, yeah i dude. hated gilligan's island sucks <laughs> but i watched the stupid show because i had nothing else to watch i hate gilligan's island but i watched the damn show dude, that's not man. that bad actually. every time i hear the song though the theme song um <laughs> well and then i guess the question also vice versa like is there a tool in the industry now that you wish existed back when you guys were starting off yeah, I mean, I just, if, if I could pluck one thing, it would probably be just the access to music, right? Like the ability to like, have everything be digital, and you just go on your phone, and be able to just hear a song like you used to actually have to go like, find it, you know what I mean? Or if you if a, if a fan had a CD, and it broke, it wasn't going to be you were going to have to go through some hoops to like get another one, you know what I mean? So the access is nice. But again, I'm kind of an old soul. So I like the idea of like the, a a piece of music almost as like a form of currency. Like I was never necessarily a record collector, 
but I loved having mixtapes. That was like the coolest thing. Like that was worth, that was priceless to me. Like, you know, getting a mixtape of like a bunch of punk bands that I'd never heard of, knew nothing about. That was like the most amazing little piece of thing to me. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like the new generation growing up, I don't think they have that. I don't know what the version of that is. I don't know that it exists. So while access is nice, I miss how special it seemed back then. Yeah, dude, because on that point, it's also about like, okay, I need to make sure that I like the flow of like the songs and the mm -hmm. track listing. Like, yeah. Because with the playlist, you could just start adding them onto a playlist on your Spotify or Tidal or whatever you're using these days. Yeah, albums mattered. Yeah, albums mattered. Like oh. a band writing a record from 1 to 12 or 1 to 20, like there was some sort of adventure they were trying to take you on and that was the, what they envisioned and now it doesn't really work like that. Bands still make records, but it's not like it used to be. And that's fine. I know that that's like the uncool answer or whatever, but whatever. Nah, dude, I feel you, dude. I think for me, um, I was probably like the last age group that got the physical before mm -hmm. the, you know, all these platforms kicked in. Um, yeah. But I feel you, dude. Um, well, speaking of albums and mixtapes and all that, um, what was the first album that you ever bought? The first album I ever bought was in sixth grade. I bought rage against the machines first record on tape that was that was pretty phenomenal to take home i think i saw the video for f is it freedom on mtv and i'm like i'm totally buying this record or uh, i'm totally having my mom buy me this record and uh yeah she bought it for me and uh that was the first one you said the tape right it was a tape yeah, oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't have a CD player. We didn't. I didn't have the CD Walkman. I just had the the tape Walkman back then. Dude, that's awesome. And then I, you know, because you guys do. I on some of the podcasts I heard you guys on, like you guys also did talk about rage and like the importance of, hey, these guys look like us. Yeah, that was a that was a trippy thing to to see. You know what I mean? Like, whoa, his name's Zach De La Rocha. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, it was so like. And he's like talking about like he's pissed like he's talking about stuff that matters and it has it has weight to it. It didn't. I'd never heard anything like that. I don't think anyone had. Um, so yeah, as an impressionable kid who was leaning, it was coming, you know, for me that I was gonna eventually do something creative. That was a pretty big deal. What was the first concert you ever went to? <sighs> was the first i'm thinking i mean i i know the first real band i saw was descendants at the whiskey a go-go in la this would have been 95 i believe 95 or 96 uh yeah descendants at the whiskey dude that's sick was it sold out oh yeah i think they originally only intended to do one or two nights and the demand was so like crazy that i think they ended up doing a full like seven shows yeah, and it's funny if you look at like those old shows, all the bands that like open for them are all now like super huge. Like Blink opened and they were still pretty small. AFI, we saw AFI, AFI opened for Descendants and they were just like a new kind of up and coming punk band. It was pretty wild. Oh, dude, I got to look that up now. That's crazy. 
I know you've done festivals and, you know, with all your bands and, and played with bands that you're like, dude, I've never thought I'd play with them before. Descendants probably being one of them, right? Yeah. Um, but what three bands, dead or alive, would you play a show with and where would you play? Dead or alive, three bands. Who would I play with? I mean, it's going to sound totally generic to say like Beatles and Nirvana, but I mean, they got to be up there. Um, assuming, well, and in fairness, I have to think about my band too, because like I can't be selfish and just pick the three bands I want. So I would pick two bands for myself. I would say Beatles and Nirvana. And just so that Jason can cry and Gabe, you got to do the Smiths. And so everybody can cry, um, right? Because then they finally reunite. Um, where would we play? It'd have to be somewhere like L.A., but I wouldn't want to play anywhere super huge. Kind of big. You know where I'd want to do it at? The Palladium. I'd want to do it at the Palladium in Hollywood. Dude, that would be like a hometown show for you guys. Right, yeah. And it's just big enough that it's like cool, but not so big that it's like you don't know what the heck's going on. Dude, that would be so sick. And you're right, everybody would be crying. Everybody would be crying for four hours. And and nobody would like our band. We would be the worst thing on, by the way. <laughs> everybody like would it. just boo us for half an hour because they want to see those three amazing bands play. Uh, I would be like, hey, you guys need to listen to this, man. You'd be the only one. I'd be like, everyone quiet. I bet um, we wouldn't make it through the set. I'd have to keep saying, I made this happen. The only reason you're here is because of me. <laughs> Dude, that would be so cool. Have you seen... Well, I mean, unfortunately, half the Beatles are no longer here mm -hmm. with us. But have you had a chance to see Paul or... No, Bruno? I want to, too. And, like, I keep, like... I, I try to look out to see if he's playing. I think he came through, like, years ago. And I was, should have gone, and I didn't go. And every time I hear, like, people who go see him, like, dude, it's amazing. Like, it's you have to go see him. So I have not. And I've seen live, and he's fantastic live, too. So... I hope he comes through one more time. I, I do make, I probably will go see him. What's the best advice a musician has given you? Hmm. Best advice a musician has given me. Advice, 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 advice. I'm trying to think of something real. Like, I mean, you hear like, keep doing what you're doing and all that stuff. Um, I will say, this wasn't more advice. It was more just like him. I mean, he was essentially saying like, hey, do you before do you was like a thing. But I was really little. I hadn't even gone through puberty yet. So I had no business singing. But I, we played some punk show somewhere. And um, we were kids like playing in a backyard party. Anyway, audio karate at the time was not audio karate. I wasn't in the band yet. I had actually formed another band to compete with their band. I hadn't joined their band yet. So their singer ended up last minute totally flaking. And they asked me, I think I, oh, that he was totally flaking even at practices. And I was practicing with my other band and we were practicing all together. So I was just kind of filling in, like just mumbling vocals kind of, okay, I kind of hear what you guys are doing with your song. I got it. So the show comes up, the singer flakes and they're like, Art, can you sing or else we're not playing? And I'm like, you realize I have no idea what you guys are playing. No, no like vocal reference. I've literally heard these songs once. But okay, I'll do it. And I did it, and the show was fine. And at the time, the band who headlined that punk show was kind of like a cool local 
punk rock band called PFR, which stands for punk fucking rock. So, you know, they weren't messing around. And the singer was this kind of intimidating dude who looked, you know, like he, you know, had some, some hard years on him. Anyway, I get off stage. I have no idea what just happened or if that was any good. And he says, hey, come over here. And he's like, you know, like an older dude. And he's like, don't ever let this get to your head, but you're a little badass and don't ever stop doing that. I'm like, oh, okay. So I was like a 14-year-old kid, you know? So I was like, all right, maybe he's right. And that was it. Yay. Maybe it was that guy that you found later on at that store that... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those were the same. <laughs> yeah, that was, those were the same two. Like, yeah, that guy was my cousin. <laughs> this is what we do. We're like, we're weird little angels. <laughs> Dude, that's so cool. Um, so you weren't playing with Jason and all those guys yet? And no. they weren't they weren't audio karate yet? No, we were they were a band called the Goons. Um and it was Husto and Gabe are like the founding members of the band. And then at some point, like they just kind of were rotating through different musicians, but I hadn't kind of made the ranks yet, and I started another band with the other musicians that I could scrape together. And then once I finally joined the band, I think around like maybe a year later or months later. At some point, Jason joined around like maybe two or three years later, like a, like right when we were getting finished with high school, he joined. Sick. Yeah, he's a year younger than us, and he, and he didn't go to the same high school as us. So I think there was yeah, he, yeah, he was kind of actually like kind of like a, the annoying like kind of younger cousin that just tagged along. And at some point, I remember him saying like, "I can play all your songs on guitar." I'm like, "I don't care. <laughs> You're still not going to be in the band." <laughs> Oh, dude, that's and then at some point, like his his cousin's like, "Hey, Jason's actually getting pretty good." I'm like, "Really?" And then at some point, I heard him. I'm like, "Oh, he's getting pretty good." I'm like, all right, yeah, he's in our band. That's fine, dude. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad it all worked out. Um, because it sounds like you guys had a good thing going on after. Like yeah, after guys, all it's yeah. said and done, yeah, it's it's ended up being a super cool experience, and yeah, music is yeah, for the first time in my life is like in a good place where I'm able to like, you know, do the nine to five and be married and be like a normal person who pays my bills and doesn't have to worry about what floor I'm going to sleep on. But I still get to do music. Works out. And you do it with your band and then the Smith's Morrissey tribute band. Yeah. So I, I stay plenty busy uh, when COVID is not a thing, but yeah. What's your favorite thing about music? Oh, wow. Um, how do you answer that question? Um, what is my favorite thing about music? Sorry, there's like neighbors making noise. Sorry. As I'm like trying to go deep and find some soulful response that I probably won't be able to answer. Um... I don't know. There's just, I think there's just something about it that, well, I, I think to me, there's, so there's like all these expressions of art, right? Like everything can be like, uh, like is human expression, you know what I mean? From like film to like art, to like a play, to poetry, to me, music to me is the most, like the most visceral and the most exciting and the most like mysterious 
and like ancient. Like that's to me as good as it gets. It, it can just do so much and we don't really know why we're drawn to it. Um, and we'll probably spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out why. And in the end, who cares? You know what I mean? But yeah, of all the human expression, it's the one that, that is the most riveting to me. Dude, that's sick. How do you keep it posy? How do I keep positive? Man, it is hard these days. Dude, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, 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 if it wasn't for my genetics and my dad's disposition, I probably wouldn't keep it very positive. I think the only reason I'm positive is because of just passed down. Like my dad's temperament is no matter how wild things get, he just keeps it cool and keeps his head down and works his tail off. Uh, he just retired, actually. Uh, good for him. So I just think I just, I think it's just, I think it's, you just, you know how you just get stuff from your parents, like no matter how hard you try, you just have their mannerisms and their temperament. I just have this temperament where things stress me out, things get me down, but ultimately I just kind of keep my head down and just kind of keep going. That's kind of what he taught me. And I think I just inherently am like him anyway. So I'm, I am positive by default if is, is the, is the real answer. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that. Uh, I mean, sometimes I lose my mind, but you can't, at least for me, my dad's always telling me to stay trucha. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> so it's like, all right, I get it. Yeah. Um, he, that's pretty much, my dad just, yeah, that's what he did. He just showed it. You know what I mean? He never complained about his job, you know, never. Yeah. He just put his head down and did his job and had a smile on his face. I'm like, all right. That seems to work for you. I'm, I'm going to adopt the same thing. Yeah, dude. Parents know what's up. So that was my conversation with Art. There was still a lot I learned about audio karate, and I hope you did too. This one has been one of my favorite episodes to date. To keep up with Audio Karate online, you can search Audio Karate on Facebook. The Twitter handle is at the Audio Karate and the Instagram handle is at Audio Karate. If you're heading out to Gainesville, Florida this year for Fest, Audio Karate is going to be playing. So if you have a chance and you haven't seen them yet, I highly recommend you go check out their set. Additionally, the band's latest album, Malo, is out now and is also available for purchase on vinyl. To order a copy, you can go to audiokaratestore.com. Thank you again to Art for being a guest on the podcast. If you haven't yet, please check out the Keep It Posy podcast playlist. You can find it on Spotify and Tidal. Nintendo 89 has been added to the playlist and it was the first song I ever heard by Audio Karate. As always, you can hit me up via email or social media. Keepaposi.com for all the contact info. Thank you again to everyone for listening to another episode of the Keep It Posi podcast. Please take care of yourself and watch out for each other. Stay posy always and remember, life is like a mosh pit. If you see someone fall, you gotta help that person get back up. <laughs>